welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Hi, this is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies, and I'm honored to be your backup co-host for Allison Klein for Intel Chip Chat, live from Microsoft Ignite in Orlando, Florida. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be in the world, and welcome to Conversations in the Cloud. This is Jake Smith, and I am joined live here at Ignite by Shekhar Mishra. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Um, Shikhar, you know, we've been working together, uh, our companies, for quite some time, and, and you and I have been working on these solutions around Azure Stack HCI, and really the growth of Hyperconverged in general. Can you give us a little bit of background about your role as Director of Product Marketing and, and the role that you see of Hyperconverged and where that's going and where Lenovo is taking that? Sure, thanks Jake. Thanks for inviting me, by the way. Um, so, <coughs> My role in within Lenovo uh, Data Center Group is uh, I manage the software-defined infrastructure uh, solution uh, team. So my role is to define the strategy and drive the right offerings into the market and uh, drive the growth uh, within this segment. And when I, <clears throat> when I talk about software-defined, what really encompasses is the two main deployment models that we are seeing a lot of customers, you know, getting their arms around it. One as you talked about the hyperconverged infrastructure itself, and then going into <clears throat> the cloud. And a third aspect that you may have heard here is this whole uh, edge to cloud concept also, uh, which we see that that's another growing deployment model because of the explosion of data and how it is flowing. Uh, so that is kind of in a nutshell of the different things I do in my day-to-day -day job. <laughs> so that's a lot. Uh, but let's talk about how that collaboration with Intel and Microsoft and Lenovo has really blossomed. We obviously launched Select Solutions together this year. We're very excited about that progress. But, but the, the, you know, these three companies have come together to really bring something very unique to the market from a cloud-to-edge perspective. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Intel has been a great partner. I mean, uh, I, before this, I was at IBM as part of the system X. So you know, our server business, more than 25 years, and Intel has been our partner ever since, and it's growing you know, every uh, year. In fact, uh, our top leadership team, as you know, uh, Kirk Scoggin, Doug Fisher, all those people you know, are from Intel. So we are obviously very Intel focused, as you can tell. Um, the growth in this segment, and especially the focus in this concept of uh, you know this Intel Select Solutions, uh, we have been partnering on this since Intel actually came up with this uh, idea since day I, one. Yeah, and and it's across you know multiple different solutions, and the most recent one is around Azure Stack HCI. I think it is a a very good way of uh, giving the the confidence to our customers that hey, this particular solution has been tested and you know, has been qualified to a certain performance in SLA between you know, the three companies, Intel, Lenovo, and Microsoft, and which is, you know, is a big deal for customers, especially when they're adopting a new technology like HCI or cloud. Uh, it's a great concept, 
not very easy to deploy if, and if a vendor who has the know-how and they work together and bring this in a nice repackaged solution, that makes their life much easier, reduces a lot of the risks, reduces the deployment time and things like that. So I feel that other than other things that you know, it provides the performance benefits, I think that the concept of giving that assurance to the customer, in, in my view, is, is the biggest benefit that you know, that provides. Well, Shikhar, I, I couldn't agree more, um, but I, I don't want to go, I don't want to sort of gloss over the fact that Lenovo's number one in SQL Server performance. Lenovo uh, is one of the top performing, because we don't really have an industry benchmark for HCI, we already know you have one of the top performing platforms. And then this week at Ignite, you guys announced a new Edge platform that really connects the whole story. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Jake, I, I agree. I actually was just in a previous meeting. Uh, I have a panel session with a bunch of customers and we are talking about uh, the Azure Stack HCI solution and we just, if you're familiar with this, uh, Microsoft has a new concept of badge and uh, you know, we are the first ones, uh, you know, we have two badges already, one on SQL Server, and I was just told that we have about over one million uh, you know, uh, transactions per second uh, on SQL that on a 12 node HCI, which is a pretty incredible performance, right? So um, the reason, and, and other than that, as you mentioned, you know, yesterday you may have seen Cosmos kind of bring out this cool server and talk about it. And it's really cool from a design perspective, but if you really look at the application of it, right, and what is really happening in, in the data center, where before, a lot of it, the data was very data center heavy, meaning a lot of data being driven from data center out towards the edge, the model is completely reversed now with all the, the IOT devices, with 5G making it almost simpler, uh, and the edge devices, I think you'll see a complete reversal of how the data will flow. It'll be you know, out from their IOT edge going into the data centers, right? Almost edge to cloud versus cloud exactly, to edge. Exactly, because you don't want or you don't have the, the latency and the bandwidth to every time kind of move the data back and forth. All the data that's been collected at the edge at the IOT level, right, and you want that computer right you know where the data is being generated and then you offload that maybe once a day once a week or whatever is the right you know sequence and and do that crunching heavy crunching in the data center right and that's the model where you see that Microsoft is heavily moving in that direction right with uh, their announcements uh, around this whole concept of Azure Stack being the overall portfolio, and then Azure Stack Hub. Azure, obviously, they're seeing a lot of traction, and then the Azure Stack Edge, which is their HCI solution. So we have been great partners along with Intel around all of these areas, because we see the great potential and growth uh, in these three areas uh, for our customers. You talked a little bit about SQL and, and databases, and, and you know, I was super excited when I saw, and I, and I don't want to get the, is it 3533, is that the, the new edge-based device? Yeah, it's the, so the, the base. With 5G built in? <laughs> yeah, it is what we call Think System SE350. Uh, but what we have also done is, again, going back to the concept of providing the simplicity to our customers, uh, obviously that device is available as a, as a solution for any kind of workload, but especially designed for this two-node robo-edge concept, we have gone ahead 
that and also certified it as our, our premier Think Agile MX uh, offering, right? So what that means to a customer? It, what it means is that we, between us, Intel and Microsoft, will always maintain the right level of recipe, whether it is a software, hardware, firmware, OS, BIOS, everything, so none of this go out of sync to a customer. And then it gets deployed in a very simplistic fashion. You don't need a rack, you can hang it on the side of a wall, don't need a network switch, you can connect to a router, right? So it has all those benefits built in. And then when you need any kind of support, you just call one number and you get support around it, whether it is an issue around Microsoft or issue around our servers or anything else, you just call one number. So that enhances the entire experience for our customers. So, so that is a platform that you saw. I mean, we've seen a lot of interest in our booth with uh, you know, uh, customers and partners coming and asking about it. What is the coolest thing about it is HCI is great, but a lot of the deployments, you know, has been, it's not been very uh, uh, cost friendly from a robo and edge perspective, right, if you look at it. But it is a great architecture to have that deployment in, a, in that scenarios. What we have done with Microsoft, and you heard today, like a two node cluster under 20K, I mean, it's hard to heard of, right? Um, and we believe that that will drive, you know, a lot of growth, especially in a lot of the, the maturing markets where uh, you know, they're very cost sensitive and they don't have you know, that level of data center and they have a lot of these use cases where they want to collect a lot of this data right at the edge and they want to move it or they have a lot of robo deployment scenarios. So, so we are excited about it. Well, I think you should be. First of all, it's the coolest device um, that I have seen because uh, it has integrated 5G, which puts you guys, in my opinion, out in front and you're ready to do some other things. But it's connected to that back-end HCI SQL capability. Talk a little bit about how you actually can deliver SQL solutions inside of the HCI framework, as well as inside of the Azure Stack Hub framework, which I think is really unique. And you know, your Azure Stack Hub solution is also very unique too. So let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. So if you think about it, right, as I talked earlier about this journey of public cloud, uh, off-prem, on-prem you know, uh, solutions, and then going towards edge uh, solutions, right? And Microsoft's journey is around Azure, Azure Stack Hub, and then Azure Stack Edge. What we have done is we mapped in the same way, right? Uh, we work from the public cloud perspective more around than our hyperscale portfolio. We have a Think Agile uh, SXM, what we call it, is our Azure Stack Hub solution, which is a pre-bundled, pre-integrated, batch recipe software, it comes with the premier support and everything. And then this announcement around Think Agile MX, which is an extension of Azure Stack uh, Hub into the edge, or the Azure, Azure itself into the edge, right? So, a customer now has a choice. He can say that, look, I am best served by having certain of my workloads running in a public cloud. He can do that. Tomorrow he has certain workloads that meet, whether it is security, cost, whatever the reason, they want to move it to their on-prem. They can easily do that with Think Agile SXM. Now, if they are running SQL and those kind of solutions and they are collecting that data at the edge and they want that HCI benefit and extend it to their on-prem, whether it is Azure Stack HCI or on Azure Stack, they can do that too. So the simplicity of management and flow of data and how the workload can be moved between them, 
that's a huge benefit for customers when we are dealing with these multiple environments and they're trying to make decisions on the fly because their business requirements keep changing, frankly, right? Well, so. all of our business requirements change, right? You know, we've all been through this over the last couple of years in our industry, you know, from uh, changes in the political atmosphere, changes in tariffs, changes in, in what is AI? What are solutions that you can build and how do those uh, provide shareholder value and deliver IT solutions? Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about Intel Select Solutions and our relationship. I, I said from day one, Lenovo and Intel have partnered here. But it's more than that. I mean, we've, we've invested in the future together. Talk about the pre-verification process and why that is so important between our two companies. I, I think that the, it, you know, uh, it's not just you set, set up something, an idea on a paper uh, and you market it and you assume that it'll work. It is a lot of the legwork that both the companies have done behind it. If you really look at the level of collaboration that I see between our engineering teams, whether it is our Microsoft team or even our other guys like the VMware teams and the Nutanix teams, the way we work with you on coming up together with what is the right set of configuration that works uh, for certain workloads. Then we'd go through the pain of like testing it to making sure that whatever we are claiming, you know, does it deliver that, right? And then fine tuning it so that our customers, because there's a lot of small details on how do you tune the server based on the application that you're running, what settings you have to do in the BIOS or the UFI and in the software to leverage the whole end-to-end -end process, right? Customers don't want to invest in that kind of skill set in-house because that's not their core competency. No, right? they're not performance analysis. Exactly, yeah. but what they really expect is that if I invested my dollars in certain solution, I expect the best efficiency and performance out of it. So we're doing that legwork behind the scenes and making sure that all these things together gives them the certain level of performance that we have committed, and then publishing it as a white paper like we do, so that not only they can you know, come directly to us or Intel, but even our business partners can deliver that, and then do services on top of it, right? So that creates a unique value, not only for us as partners, but also our partners and our customers, right? Which is what we're seeing resonating with a lot of our customers. And, and that's what's so exciting, is, is between our partners and our customers, they're, being, they're able to deliver value right now. So let's talk about Lenovo's presence here at Ignite, because it's huge, and you guys have a great presence, and your booth has been packed nonstop for the last 48 hours. Talk a little bit about um, the investment that you made here at Ignite, uh, why it's so important, and really what this event means to Lenovo. I mean, look, uh, it's known that Microsoft has been our premium partners, right? And uh, we are completely vested with them on this journey, right? And in fact, you know, our uh, uh, CEO, uh, Doug Fisher, he's the key exec leading this relationship, right? So that shows the level of focus that we have with Microsoft. Uh, so it's a no-brainer that we invested in this. We are one of the premier sponsors here. Um, thanks to Cosmos and all the keynote. I mean, you cannot believe it, like 
two days back before I was flying out here, I got requests that, hey guys, we have to showcase this solution on stage, and by the way, Satya wants to talk about it, and and you know there'll be other. Well, that doesn't suck. <laughs> Satya, the CEO of Microsoft, exactly. wants to talk about a solution that you've developed. That's so, pretty cool. So okay, we will do it, right? <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, so guys made it happen within two days. We got our stuff together, put it on stage. It was really cool to see how Cosmos pulls out this unique server. You know, uh, people would think that he may be pulling out a laptop there, but it does look like a little bit of a fatter laptop, but you know the fact that it has so much of performance packed into it. So all that kind of has created a lot of buzz for us. I mean, I was in the booth yesterday for a few hours, and um, I was actually doing booth duty at that point because all our guys were actually busy talking to people because they were also interested on in all the solutions, whether you are doing it on its Azure Stack HCI, the Edge, Azure Stack itself, our management integrations that we have done with Microsoft, our future, other things that we're planning to do with them. So, I mean, Microsoft has a huge customer base, no doubt, but the fact that they're able to, you know, provide a roadmap to the customers with, you know, making sure they are on top of the latest technology, that's also shows, you know, the level of commitment they have, right? And we work very closely with them. We have a huge team of engineers, some of them are here, which are actually based right in next to Microsoft engineering team, and we have great collaboration there. I mean, most of the solutions that we work together actually is more first tested in our labs together, right? So that's why we are able to kind of bring those innovation fast together with them. Well, we've, we've certainly done that, and it's very exciting. And, and you know, uh, I enjoy working with Lenovo immensely. Um, it, it does help that there's some former Intel colleagues who help really broaden the network so that, you know, you and I didn't know each other before, uh, you know, my former Intel colleagues came to Lenovo, and now we've been working together, our teams, for the last year and a half, building these solutions. So, um, I've got two questions for you, and then we'll wrap this up, because I know you've got customers who are waiting for you, and I know you have a keynote and a panel later today. Um, where can customers find out more about Lenovo's uh, select solutions? And then secondly, what does the future hold for Lenovo uh, and the Microsoft-Intel relationship? Definitely. So, um, there's a ton of data. I would simplistically say that, you know, if you want to, there are two simple uh, offerings from our perspective. If you're interested in our core platforms, that's our Think System portfolio. If you're interested in our software-defined solutions, that's our Think Agile portfolio. So the most easiest way is if you Google any of these, it'll take you to our landing page and there we have a lot of information about you know, our cloud campaigns, our cloud solution, the service offerings, the true scale offering that we have to get you into this journey. If you're just interested in our networking and storage portfolio, our Think System platform, all those are available. So if you Google them, you'll directly go to those. The first couple of links will take you there, right? Uh, that's what I do, actually, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, from a roadmap perspective, I think that you know this is the right time for uh, all three of our partners, us, Intel, and Microsoft, to bring more of these solutions, more of this hardened application-based solutions. Another area that we are also very interested in is our own um, uh, artificial intelligence-based operations, AI ops, like we call it, right? 
we believe that, you know, given how things are moving, how the operations piece of it is becoming more and more challenging for the customers as the business needs are growing. And not only are growing, they want it at a much rapid pace. So customers don't want to stay in this business of managing their infrastructure. They want more, you know, uh, proactive, self-healing, capacity-based management kind of its environment where a lot of the decisions are already being made where they're not having to deal in the day-to-day -day affairs of their infrastructure, right? So I see a great you know, future of moving in a lot of that direction where you will become more and more centric towards the application and less towards the infrastructure itself because that's where the customers want us to go. So. I think Intel Select is just a start of providing some of these hardened solutions. Uh, we'll continue to keep doing it. Um, and uh, we see that you know, uh, this will have great adoption from our customers as we harden this more and bring more other uh, solutions on these platforms. Well, there's certainly a lot of buzz and excitement. So on behalf of Intel, I want to thank you, Shekhar, for joining us. Um, this, is, uh, this is a great opportunity for you and I to, to sort of let the world know what we've been working on for the last two years, 18 months to two years, so it's just really exciting. Um, I would like to thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been uh, Jake Smith, joined by Shakar Mishra, Director of Product Marketing for Software Defined Data Center at Lenovo. Wherever you may be in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Thank you, Jake, for inviting me. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. This is Jake Smith, and welcome to another episode of Intel Chip Chat. I am joined today by my dear friend, Ken Letourneau, Enterprise Solutions Architect for the Data Center Group. Welcome, Ken. Hi, Jake, thanks a lot. You know, um, we've had you on the show talking about the, the work that we've done to optimize for SQL, but really I want you to talk about today, if you could, for our listeners, the impact of the emerging technologies on SQL Server 2019. Okay, so SQL Server 2019, uh, GA this week, right? Here we are at Microsoft Ignite, and I can talk now with a little more, you know, more candidly about it. Uh, don't have to watch what I say so much. Uh, so, like any new version of SQL Server, there's been kind of just a, a slew of new features. Um, you know, performance enhancements, availability enhancements, uh, but this is also the first version of SQL Server with native support for AppDirect mode of Intel Aptane DC persistent memory. So they've made SQL Server persistent memory aware, or PMM aware, if you will. And they've exposed a couple of features. Uh, they're going to bring some benefit to you know, a wide variety of workloads and, and situations. Um, you know, talking about one of those uh, would be something they've called enlightened I.O. Ooh, and that sounds is, interesting. Right. So, and Interestingly enough, they've done this, uh, they've enabled that for Linux, first and foremost, before Windows Server. Uh, but the idea was, up until now with SQL Server, you could host a database on a persistent memory device, like Intel Aptane DC persistent memory, but you had to interact with like a block device and in, and in kernel I.O. mode. So you have this very, very fast media sitting on the memory bus with very large capacity points, and you had to talk to it like it was a traditional piece of storage. So there's all this kind of software overhead or you know, you know, just a little bit of latency introduced. Uh, just having to interact with it like it was any other any other type of storage device, and so with Enlightened I/O, 
they've enhanced what they call the SQL PAL, which is the abstraction layer. Abstraction layer sits between the Linux OS and the SQL Server binary. It's the same SQL Server binary that Windows runs, but they've got this abstraction layer that sits between it on Linux that does all the interaction with the OS. So they've enhanced to the PAL to determine if I'm running on a PMEM volume that's set up for direct access, I'm going to start doing mem copy operations in user space and bypass kernel mode I.O. So you get an immediate latency reduction on all your I.O.s. So think of this as kind of a storage engine improvement that just you know, applies to any and all SQL Server files running on a PMEM volume. So this is kind of like this concept of a, a diskless database, if you will. Um, you could actually have your entire SQL Server installation, all the database files, TempDB, your user databases, your system databases, or you could mix and match if you wanted, but you could put the entire thing um, onto a volume backed by Intel Optane DC persistent memory and utilize this feature. And you're going to see a performance you know, increase there across the board for all those databases uh, just by virtue of no longer having to do kind of legacy I.O. software stack traversal. Um, so that's a, you know, kind of a binary on-off switch for SQL Server 2019 on Linux um, in terms of you know, it's on by default. You put a database on the file, it's going gonna, it's gonna to recognize that for you. It's going to start doing I.O. differently. And you'll just see you know, latency reduction in your, in your transactions, probably you know, reduced query processing times, um, you know, probably better performance under load, times of duress, you know, peak volume times, peak activity times. Um, so that's, uh, that's one of the two I was, I was alluding to there. Um, the other I actually find possibly even more interesting is something they're calling hybrid buffer pool. And so the buffer pool in SQL Server is basically, traditionally, is the amount of memory granted to SQL Server to house database pages. And it'll house clean pages, dirty pages, and it's really limited by either your addition of SQL Server, which standard edition says you can have no more than 128 gigabytes in the buffer pool, um, enterprise being unlimited, or it's limited by how much memory is on the system. Uh, so kind of the, and it's configurable too, but if you wanted to go to the max, it's either how much the addition supports or how much your hardware comes in terms of DRAM. Mm -hmm. So with hybrid buffer pool, they said, okay, we're going to allow you to split up your buffer pool between DRAM and persistent memory devices. And we're going to use DRAM for any kind of dirty pages that need to be written back to disk later. We're going to use persistent memory for all of your clean pages. So rather than the traditional buffer pool approach where you would have to request a page, you'd have to go out to disk or storage, read that page, and then copy it into memory. You don't have to do that. That's been eliminated. It can just read clean pages directly off of the memory bus on a persistent memory volume. And so you've got a nice, uh, you know, again, two things happen there. Uh, it's much faster access to your clean data. Uh, and the second is now your buffer pool gets much larger. So you don't have to swap pages in and out as frequently. So at, you know, up to three terabytes a socket in the first generation of Intel AppDNG's persistent memory, you could have in a two-socket server, you know, six terabytes of effectively, you know, clean page cache in a hybrid buffer pool. Um, and then some amount of DRAM for the traditional DRAM-based buffer pool, which is handling your, your dirty pages. Um, so you think about that for a second. And if you're, say, a, a SQL Server standard edition user, and you were limited by 128 gigs, again, as a, as a requirement of that edition of SQL Server, a max that edition supports, the hybrid buffer pool is not, does not suffer from that same limitation. You can actually grow beyond now 128 gigs in your, in your hybrid buffer pool because any, any, any capacity that you're adding with a persistent memory doesn't count against that 128 gig DRAM limitation on that addition. 
So think about just how much bigger, larger working set uh, you can bring down. Um, and an enterprise, if you're DRAM limited and you start putting in some of this persistent memory as well, right. yeah, you've got a much larger working set sitting, again, directly on the memory bus. No more going out to storage, reading something and copying it in memory. Well, it really changes the, 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 the database architect's ability to, to transform how they want to uh, run their performance tests, how they actually, I mean, you get, at six terabytes, that's, that's a larger database set than, than most enterprises had just five years ago. Right, right, yep. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that it's, uh, it's grown to, you know, that would have been unheard of, right? I mean, you know, my old job at Intel nine, ten years ago, we, you know, we had terabyte databases here and there, and you know, we were. But throwing, you tried to avoid them as much yeah, as yeah, possible. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tried to avoid doing things like index rebuilds and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, maintenance on them. Um, but they were, you know, we were throwing, you know, tons of capital dollars at you know SAN devices uh, just to house these to help with high availability and clustering and. And it's kind of the point today where that's just a you know that's a handful of SSDs or a single SSD. I mean, you need some need some for data you know redundancy purposes, uh, but for you know just the capacity you know kind of the price per capacity and the price per performance um, has come down to the scale. But it's I mean it's as that come down you know database just or data in general has gone up. You know so it's you know you you still you need more, but like we've been able to keep. Performance has been able to just keep scale with that, even though the demands uh, on the system in terms of how much how much it has to house and, and query against and support. Um, it's a, it's a fun time, and I think uh, we're looking forward to playing with some of these features. Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the coming months now that it is GA, um, and we can talk yeah. about it. So right, that, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, one of the things that I really uh, I really love about SQL is that it, it's incredibly popular. But, but why do you think, Ken, it is so popular? And wh what are some of the key features um, beyond the ones that you talked about for SQL 19 that users are going to benefit from, whether it's structured or unstructured right, right. data? So, you know, why is it so popular? Um, again, I think if you go out to dbengines.com, it's, I think it's its second most popular relational database, I think, in terms of how they, how they measure popularity uh, among things, or operational database, I should say. Um, it's, uh, I think, one, the, eco the ecosystem around it is huge. Um, but two, look at the, it's, it's continuously evolving. Look at the features that come out every major release. You know, it's about a two-year cadence right now. 16 to 17 was one, 17 to 19 is two. Um, of course, you get, you know, you get commercial ISV support being a Microsoft product when you're a licensed user. Um, but I mean, you know, they'll give you a full feature developer edition. There's no license required for that uh, to go, you know, prototype your environments. And then um, with SQL Server 2019, they've already built on this, you know, known, it's a known commodity for operational databases, data warehousing. You know, if you go out to tpc.org and look at the leaders and the TPCH, TPC workloads, um, Microsoft occupies, you know, the SQL Server occupies the number one spots in those for a lot of the permutations of those tests. Um, and probably worth mentioning that when you look at those number one listings, they're all on Intel platforms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Coincidentally, or not coincidentally, uh, well, you, you decide. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, performance is kind of a known thing. Uh, Security-wise, you know, long, long time ago, was it circa 2000, something called SQL Slammer came out. And, you know, just I had to respond to that at work. It, you know, crippled the environment. 
Microsoft got their act together and said, this is never going to happen again. And so, you know, the National Institute of uh, Standard Technologies, NIST, mm -hmm. you know, kind of tracks software vulnerabilities. And they track it across major database you know, providers, commercial providers, open source providers. And you know, it's gotten to the point where SQL Server is now fewest reported vulnerabilities, you know, years on years running uh, across a lot of the other database providers in that, you know, in that same market. Um, so you have all of that to start with. And now with SQL Server 2019, they're bringing out this concept of big data integration and data virtualization. So they're saying, okay, well, we understand if you, if you have Oracle in your environment or Teradata in your environment, Okay, well, we have this concept of data virtualization with SQL Server 2019. We'll give you an ODBC connector that can talk to those endpoints, just like their SQL Server. So what does that mean from a possibility in terms of just you know, information flow or doing analytics work? Can I actually eliminate some of my ETL jobs or my ELT jobs? Yeah, and you know, why, is, why would that be appealing? A couple of reasons, right? Uh, one, they add latency. If I have to go talk to another data source, query out some data, reorganize it, put it into a SQL Server platform, then I go, if that's my visualization platform, whatever it is, and go run my queries on it, get my, you know, answers, answers my questions, my business value. Um, that takes time. And you start talking hundreds of gigs or terabytes, it can take a lot of time. It can take a lot of time, yeah. days even. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and aside from that, now you have a copy of a copy, and now you have started having security concerns. Like, well, was it encrypted over here? Is it need to be encrypted over here? What am I doing with this intermediate staging data? Do I need to lock that down too? That might take additional time. Yep. Um, so if you can eliminate those steps, you get you know your faster time to insights, right? Um, and that's you know those are structured data sources. You're asking about unstructured. Mm -hmm. So uh, in SQL 2019, they've got this new feature called Big Data Clusters. I've heard about it. Yeah, and that's that's effectively integration into the Hadoop ecosystem and and, and Spark. Um, so now you can start defining you know, SQL Server tables over unstructured data sources uh, in, in HDFS, and then use, you know, S Spark to distribute queries across those large data sets. Interesting. So, you know, that's, I mean, that is kind of the, the paradigm in that world, right? It's um, data is now distributed across a number of what we call data nodes, and then we can go run queries distributed across those as well, go send the work to where the data is, merge it all back together at the end. Um, and again, you can talk to it again like it's, like it's Transact SQL, which is this huge, you know, huge community that people are very proficient in doing that. Yep. Um, and they look at, you know, something else that doesn't doesn't talk that same language. And they go, well, maybe that is an impediment. Maybe I should just extract all that and get it in a framework where I can query it the way I'm comfortable querying it. Well, with big data clusters, you can actually take that element out of the equation as well. And so, if you've got, you know, like I said, you know, data in in a big data environment or a Hadoop type environment. Um, SQL Server is now kind of a common interface to talk to that as well. Well, you, you're kind of setting up, though, that, that, that SQL Server 19 is, is really becoming a, a foundational element of digital transformation. So can you spend a little bit of time talking to maybe our listeners who are in the midst of their journey? You know, what... You know, you're in the midst of a digital transformation journey. We've got this new database technology that now supports Linux and Windows. Uh, you have the capability of, of deploying um, Optane data center persistent memory. So you can now have a persistent memory interface. You, you talked about hybrid buffer pools. What does this mean for those customers though? How do they start to plan for SQL 19 incorporation as part of their digital transformation initiative? Uh, well, a couple of things. So one thing I forgot to mention too with 
the way they're actually deploying big data clusters is now kind of Kubernetes-based and container-based, um, which if you're, if you're not considering orchestration and containers as part of your transformation journey, you might be on the wrong train. <laughs> the train left a different station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you know the hooks are there to actually you know be more hybrid cloud-like, and you know for people you know on that journey looking at you know legacy you know legacy applications, you know older databases, older versions, um, they're giving you. I mean, it's never really an easy button, but they're giving you a nice set of guardrails um, that's going to steer you down a path that is more nimble, you know, more more cloud-like, or certainly path to hybrid cloud, and you know, all the goodies that come with that too, right? You're in your in your, you know, your DevOps, your continuous integration, your continuous delivery, um, SQL Server 2019, and you know, it's the ecosystem around that now really lends itself well. Uh, to that model, and I don't know. You see, there's other some announcements here this week too, like you know Azure Arc, like starting to wrap my head around what that really means. Uh huh. And it's like, oh well, I could deploy. You know, it's not just about even provisioning systems on on demand. It, it, it does all that, and I can spin one up on premises, or I can spin one up in a public cloud. It's the same interface. It's the same clicks. But then you start getting into like the uh, insights into your environment and. I want to have a policy that previously, you know, I want to say who can log into this, who has access, what does the maintenance schedule look like. Um, that can all be managed with something like Azure Arc on-premises as well, the same way you would have done it uh, in Azure. Uh, so, you know, I think the capabilities like that and just, you know, I, I just got out of one of their me mechanic sessions prior to coming over to this chip chat and they were doing a demo on how could I do a rolling upgrade to a SQL environment um, with something like Azure Arc? Mm -hmm. And I was talking to one of my coworkers about it at the time. Like, man, this was just a, this was a major pain five, six, seven, eight years ago um, with a SQL cluster taking a node down, doing a service pack upgrade while you failed overwork to one node, bring that one back up, let things mirror. Could take and days. It, yeah, and you had to plan around it big time. And it's getting more and more streamlined to the point where. They could just say, okay, I've got a load balancer in front of my SQL environment. I'm going to tell it who's being maintained right now. And it's going to divert load to who's still alive or still active. It's going to go, you know, deploy some updates to one, bring it back up, you know, stabilize, and just, you know, rolling upgrades. And all the while, you know, your, your users are blissfully unaware that, uh, you know, their query's been routed here or there, and it's just, it just works. It just works. Yeah, yeah. So, um... You know, our listeners love hearing from you because you are, uh, I like to say, the database guy that I go to. But SQL 19 is part of a bigger future. So, so talk a little bit about where you see not just emerging technologies of SQL, where you see database technologies like SQL Server 19 going as we introduce the Intelligent Edge. Uh, okay, so, yeah, you kind of touched on this earlier, right? I mean... It's SQL 19 in particular. I'm sure other other databases are trending this way as well, right? Um, it's no longer just about queries and business operations. It's now being positioned as a data platform and a foundation to run analytics, maybe a foundation to start doing some advanced analytics, getting into the AI, AI space. Because um, if you have you know all your data at your disposal through kind of this this, this common plane, 
um, you can start doing things like, you know, there's machine learning services introduced in SQL in the last couple of years. Uh, so you can start doing um, more and more of your cognitive work, your prescriptive analytics. Um, you know, it's, it's no longer about hindsight. You're getting to insight. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's a big phrase. It's no longer about hindsight. Yeah. It's about insight. And that is really key because that is the value of data. If, if you can't get insight from data, it's pretty hard to create value. And you might be at a competitive disadvantage <laughs> um, until you can. Right? Until you can, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the, in, as far as, you know, edge use cases too, I mean, I think the trend we're seeing there is just, you know, more and more intelligence is required or is evolving at the edge uh, and I mean, you, your terms like heavy edge or intelligence at the edge or um, what that's really about is you know I may be in a situation where I don't have good internet connectivity or I don't have good access to my core network um, or just latency is key there to where I need to be able to just capture something analyze it on the spot and, and, and make a decision um, so you know, Microsoft's taken SQL Server and kind of scaled it from what did Cash? What did they demo yesterday? Uh, a petabyte TPCH distributed That's demonstration. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, they scaled it down to something called you know Azure SQL Database Edge, which is containerized SQL designed to run right at the edge. You know, time series built-in support and all the other pe all, all the other goodies that typically come with a SQL Server deployment, um, but very lightweight. Yep. Um, and so. From a developer's perspective, it's like, well, I, you know, I can. It's it's all the same SQL code to me. You know, I can my if I code my app against my production server, I can deploy it against. I can deploy it to the edge. I can deploy it into the public cloud. You can deploy anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's a big difference. So, um, give me your final thoughts on the impact of these technologies in SQL Server 19 today and in the future. With the customer in mind, you know, you've been a developer of SQL technologies for a while. A while, yeah. Uh, and you work very closely, as, as do I, with the SQL team. So uh, we have some, some good insights, but I'd like your insights on sort of where this could go. Distributed databases, intelligence at the edge, adding analytics and insights is really changing the way customers should think about building databases. Where, where, where should they go? You know, I mean, not just where can they learn more. Right, right. I mean, they know how to search Google. Mm -hmm. yeah, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Right, and we're certainly going to, you Bing, know. Bing, Jake. They know how to search Bing. <laughs> or Bing. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know how to search Bing. Yeah. So tell us where our listeners can... Um, really get educated and what they should be concerned about moving into the future. Okay, so uh, where to get educated? Um, they should come to Ignite. <laughs> so that doesn't hurt. Yeah, right. A lot of great um, courses here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you know, Microsoft Technology Centers, I mean, there's no dearth of training materials out there. Um, uh, and, but, uh, I think the best way really is just get your hands on. I mean, it's it takes all of five minutes to download a container image of SQL Server and then install it and have an instance up and running. And then, you know, again, just kick the tires on it, roll up your sleeves, um, 
and, and you know see what uh, just to see how you know it's easy to get running, but see what you can actually start doing with it. Um, I think in, in my mind that's probably the, the best way to learn. But then look to an or look to look to, look to something like pass.org, you know, professional association of SQL Server. I'll leave it at that. That's P-A-S-S. I think there's another piece there, but <laughs> uh, that community is, is great. They do things like SQL Saturdays. Uh, it's kind of just it's one of the best communities yeah. we worked with in is the it, industry. Is it three hundred thousand members or something like that? Three hundred thousand plus and, members, and they're all yeah. data professionals. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, look to you know, kind of come you know, birds of a feather, you know, uh, type communities um, for insights there too. Because um, one of the neat things about that community too is everyone there is just is there willing to help. You know, it's uh, uh, most of our interactions. Everyone's very enthusiastic. You know, they're they're all about sharing knowledge. Um, you know, similarly, like uh, it's like you know, like Microsoft and GitHub, right? There's lots and lots of really cool things uh, that you could just spend a half hour a day looking for. You know, as, as an open project that may that may help automate something you were doing at work. Uh, Maybe uh, I'm sure I'll, tons of SQL Server examples out there too. Yep. Uh, and, you know, whether it's from a DBA perspective or from a developer perspective. You know, very two different very job roles. They have kind of competing priorities sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that uh, is that is that a helping answer? I think you had you had. Yeah, second, I, I think, think that answers yeah. a lot. I think yeah. it gives our listeners an opportunity yeah. to know where to look. It gives our listeners an opportunity to know uh, who to look for. Uh, and the type of organizations that that they should they should be thinking about as they go on their SQL Server journey. Uh, so with that, I'd like to thank you for joining us this morning. I know you've got a lot on your plate because Ignite is uh, is is well underway, and we all have uh, lots of meetings going on. So I want to thank you for joining us, Ken. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jake. Thank you. Uh, on behalf of Intel, this has been Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies. I've been joined on this Chip Chat episode by Ken Letourneau, Enterprise Solutions Architect, Data Center Group. Wherever you may listen to this, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. This is Jake Smith, and welcome to another episode of Intel Chip Chat. I am joined today by a very special guest and also fellow keynote speaker, Ellen Kirby, Senior Manager of Technical Operations and Senior Enterprise Architect at Bradley Arendt Bolt and Cummings LLP. Welcome, otherwise known as Bradley.com. Yes. <laughs> Ellen, welcome, and you know, uh, Bradley's a national law firm, and not everybody knows about a national law firm uh, such as Bradley. So can you talk a little bit about the all-too-common IT challenges that you have there before we jump into your edge-to-cloud journey? Sure. Um, you know, I think with having about 541 attorneys across 10 offices, <laughs> only 541 of my favorite people on the planet, and having them and having to meet the expectations of them in a real-time scenario where at any 
any moment they could have a need for any kind of data anywhere, whether it's last minute filings for a briefing, whatever it is, whether they come to you and all of a sudden they have an enormous case that's going to require a lot of mass torts. We just don't know at any given point in time what we're going to be challenged with the next day. I got less than a week's notice when we opened a law firm in Dallas. And I was like, okay. So I got on a plane and went down there and I had to start specking out what our infrastructure solution was going to be like. So it's really challenging for us because we have to know immediately and quickly and in a way that we can repeat the action no matter what the scenario is, how to provide them the best technical solution so that they can in turn really provide that innovation to their clients. So lawyers are technical people? Some of them are actually exceptionally technical and some of them tell you to go away the minute you try to hand them any kind of technology. <laughs> well, so uh, you're one of the few people who paperless is not really an option for no, you No, it is sure not. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the process. So, so tell us about how you embraced that flexibility and scalability, number one, as an organization. And then how did you partner and how did you choose your partners to build and start your cloud to edge journey. Sure, and I think our journey really began with a need to innovate in our new data center. So when we ultimately made a decision that we didn't want to keep our data center in a traditional in-house configuration, and we started to look at putting that in a location where we weren't handling the HVAC and all of the power needs and the distribution of all of that information, we wanted to look at that and say, what would make the most sense for us going forward? And how do we provide that along with a really flexible solution that's very elastic and can allow us to move content in and out of the cloud, and depending on what cloud that is, it's a whole unique set of challenges. So as we approached that data center scenario, we really started to look at some of the more traditional configurations where you'll have separate storage, separate compute, very traditional configuration, takes up a, usually a pretty substantial amount of rack space, and usually is very expensive. I think our initial budget was somewhere around $2 million just for the storage and compute. That wasn't even the networking stack. Wow. So as we started to explore that and started to look at that based off of what the firm had done five to seven years prior in its previous architecture, we really started to go, there's got to be a better way for us to do this and be more streamlined. And what we loved was what Microsoft was doing with Azure and what they were doing with that as a model. And it was right at the inception of Azure Stack, which of course I thought was fantastic, but I said, I can't quite really that control yet. So we started to look at what we could do to adopt the same model and mentality that Microsoft has with Azure in our own managed infrastructure. So what we did is shopped around a lot of different partners to try to find that solution. And one of the things that was really important to us as we narrowed into wanting to use the Microsoft traditional hypervisor solution and really start to leverage HCI with S2D was finding somebody that really had that seat at the table and could understand that technology and could be very responsive to us on that. And we wanted to make sure whatever hardware they provided to us was top of the rung, was going to be the best and the most performant, because you never want to have to tell an attorney that the reason that their data isn't accessible is because we didn't buy the best stuff. That never goes well, I promise you. <laughs> so that was where we really looked at data on and we were really interested in what they were bringing to the table, along with the hardware that they leveraged to bring those things to the table. 
And that's where our relationship with Intel Optane started up because as we've deployed out that data center with originally a six node cluster and then have built out additional two node clusters and some of them are four nodes at our 10 additional sites, we've been able to expand that whole solution out so that we've been able to replicate what we have there with a scale up, scale out architecture that's very flexible and extremely economical compared to what we were originally facing. So like I was talking about yesterday in our key Note, we went from really about a 200,000, or excuse me, a $2 million plan to about a $500,000 initial investment. And then at the remote sites, we went from thinking that it was going to cost us around 80K a site to some of the sites we got into ballpark of around 20K. The bigger ones were really around, eight, around 50K. So the savings across the board were phenomenal, but what we did is manage to do something that was flexible, was expandable, was trailblazing, but it was also extremely performant and extremely reliable. So you start realizing you're hitting all those check boxes for a win, and it really makes you kind of turn around and look at these solutions and say, now what are we going to do? Now what's next? because you start to get that hunger of, I can improve this even more. Well, so we don't want to rest on our laurels. Well, you, you certainly don't. So I, I, I can say that you and, and Paul Mowney are, are two of the hardest working people I've worked with in the industry, and it's, it's an honor to have you here. But the thing that I love so much about our discussion and about the reality of the data that you've provided us is that you're getting that TCO benefit. Mm -hmm. And you talked about being able to Essentially, 25% of your original estimate costs, you were able to deliver uh, solutions for 25% of that. And then to the edge, you're able to deliver solutions from the 20 to 50K range, which was still almost 40% under the original budgeted amount. I'd say 60%, but it's about 40 to 60%. Why edge? What, what made you decide? I mean, remote offices, yes, but you've built an edge framework for the future. And that's a little bit different than a remote office sort of, um, we'll just call it a virtual desktop infrastructure. You didn't build that, you built a, a virtual cloud infrastructure. We did, and one of the things I think really drove us down that path was this idea, like I was talking about at the beginning, of Azure's model and how we wanted to really drive what Microsoft was doing with their technologies in our own e ecosystem. And so that was really um, interesting because as we started to price out, there are lots of fantastic vendors, some of them out there, that have some great tools for building out your remote office. And you start looking at the pricing on it, and quite frankly, you can get to the edge and have these amazing technologies, in a lot of cases, cheaper than if we had just bought a more traditional configuration for our remote sites. So that was pretty compelling, and then you add the fact that you've opened that door to having real direct access into Azure, and as you start moving more and more of your ecosystem, especially the things that our attorneys are wanting to do with business analytics and moving forward with some of the ability to analyze and provide information to our clients, we start looking at that capability for no matter what site you're at to have an amazing experience based off of where we need to put that content. So you talked about the amazing technologies and, and you know, obviously I'm a technology guy, so <laughs> you're getting me excited. <laughs> what kinds of improvements have you seen in performance and latency with this new technology? So it's been across the board pretty amazing. And you know, I have to preface that with, of course, the technology that we had prior were definitely not all phenomenal. Intel, Optane, SSD, we weren't using all the NVMe, we weren't doing a lot of the right. I mean, it wasn't as amazing in terms of the way technology has progressed. Can you anyway. say that again? It's amazing? Amazing, fantastic, but yes. Thank you. <laughs> but we one work of the, hard to try to be amazing. I, I'm telling you, you got to, right? 
So one of the things that I think was interesting about that whole process of trying to determine what we wanted to do with it was to say, okay, we have all these opportunities to build this, these platforms and, and, and utilize all of these technologies. How do we find the right way to do it for the firm, provide them the data that they need as quickly as possible, and how do we make it extremely performant? And what it ended up translating to are things like watching our VDI sessions that are running at the remote sites just drop significantly in login times. We would have people come that they would log in, go get a cup of coffee, and wait because we had all this stuff going on in the background and building their sessions. And now, you know, people are going, hey, this is less than 30 seconds, and I'm in and I'm running and I'm working, and you're going, oh, because it's just cutting down on those help desk calls, and you breathe that sigh of relief because you know, once they're in that VDI environment, they're happy, but getting to the point where they're getting in there was always a pain point for us on the previous environment. And I think the other one that was real eye opening for us was what we saw in our SQL performance, whether it was actual connectivity to the SQL, which was fantastic. That was wonderful, but really the big eye-opener for us was watching the backups from SQL. Wow. Just in the fact that we would go from not being able to make our backup window every night and everything that we had to back up, because as you can imagine, law firms, we like to keep our content forever. So we maybe have a few SharePoint I, I databases. You have to keep your content. We might have a couple things out there, just a little bit. <laughs> Some content from the 50s you oh probably my goodness. have to keep. I saw an email from somebody that was from 1994. Okay. Uh, when we were doing some PST ingestions way back in the day. So yes, we keep our stuff. We love our stuff. <laughs> we don't want to let go of our stuff. So in order to really make sure that you have that content and are backing it up and have a good experience with it. When we moved toward this solution and we replicated the solution in our backup configuration as well, and when we watched as we were backing up the data, it really was amusing because I talked to my DBA one of the first nights he did it and he looked at it and he went, I think something's broken, I don't think the backup worked. And I said, what do you mean the backup didn't work? Is the, is the file not there? And he looked at it and he goes, well, it's there, but I don't see how it can be there because there's no way it could have gotten done that fast. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I thought I did the math on it. And so we looked at it and he's like, that was the theoretical limit of how fast it could have backed that content up. Welcome to Optane. And I'm like, welcome, welcome <laughs> to the party. Do you like it? And then he was like, I'm going to back up more and I'm going to do more stuff because you give them a little tiny bit. You know how it is. Well, and you, you've created an opportunity, right? Yes. And you've created an opportunity for your smart people to get smarter and be smarter and make your entire firm smarter. Yes. So let's talk about um, what comes next in this journey. Okay, mm -hmm. you, you've begun this process and, and, and I want our listeners to understand, you're a document heavy shop. We are, very So much. this is a full digital transformation that you're engineering here. You're not just engineering moving bits from one bit stream to another, you're taking physical images, converting them to bits, actually adding intelligence onto them, and then putting them in your cloud and on the edge. Mm -hmm. So, so what's next in this journey? This is a big journey. This is it not is, and it's a long journey, I think. And by long, I probably mean five years, because for that, you know, for us, that's like generations, right? That's like forever. <laughs> that's like forever. But I do think that we're at this amazing start of a journey, and I see it with a lot of the different investments we've made in our technologies all the way across the board. And I think this was the biggest piece of the puzzle. But I also look at how we're architecting our other solutions to really depend on how we've developed this and our relationship with Microsoft and where we're storing content in Azure and what we're utilizing out there and the ability to make 
wise decisions on what goes into what clouds and how do we manage all of those things. And this set us up so beautifully for that because now we can look at tools that come in and I, when I've got a, especially in legal, I have different types of applications that come in that are very small one-offs and they'll tout, well, we are a cloud solution and you start talking to them and you realize they're an IaaS solution with a SQL server and a couple web front ends and they want to talk about moving to the cloud and you're sitting there going, well, wait a minute, that's not actually benefiting us to put it in the cloud. Let's talk about putting that in our little data center that we're running essentially as our own cloud. And we save money and we improve performance by doing that. But you also have those scenarios where somebody comes in and you have a legitimate, really fantastic need to put that content either into Azure or other cloud solutions. And you have the capability to be extremely flexible and extremely performant with where that content goes and moving it back and forth. Oh. I want to talk about a unique thing that you've done that I think is uh, pretty special. As, as an architect, uh, systems architect, my entire career, I love it when I hear the stories about an architect, a fellow architect, designing an infrastructure that has multi-factor authentication, but it's actually managed in a single location. Yes. So it gives you tremendous scale, and it also keeps your systems clean. Yes. Can you talk about what you've done with Azure Active Directory services? So it was um, it was interesting because to a certain degree, it was somewhat you know guerrilla warfare trying to get multi-factor authentication adopted across a law firm. And I will tell you, and I think a lot of businesses face this challenge. You want to simplify for your user base, and you want to make sure, especially with billable hours, that you are wasting as little as their time as possible possible when they're trying to connect and do things, especially when they're remote working and they've got deadlines and they've got to get things accomplished. So at the beginning of the day, it's always got to depend on what your needs are for your users. I came up through the help desk before I ever architected anything and I can tell you, the first thing that ever pops into my mind is, are my users going to be happy and are they going to like this? And that's where multi-factor authentication I think is really challenging in our industry because you have all these providers that offer these different ways to get in and then you have these third-party solutions some of them out there, some of them wonderful, that will put a pane of glass over the top of them so you can see where people are coming from, but why not natively do it within Azure? Why not leverage Azure's conditional access with Azure Proxy, set up what you want, and really, if you understand what the query is coming in from the application, you can very, very small period of time build out that connection, leveraging things like ADFS, leveraging things like um, conditional access within Azure Active Directory, and you can have this amazing connection right in, and they use one application for application authentication across our entire ecosystem. So no matter where they are or what they're doing, whether they're connecting in with a VPN using Fortinet, or they're connecting into our document management system, or they're using Office 365, it doesn't matter, because everything comes in through our application on the Microsoft stack, and there's no multiple places for the user to go, which helps them. What helps me is now I know what my users are doing all the time, and maybe that makes me a little big sister as opposed to big brother, but I like <laughs> knowing where they are and what they're doing. I like knowing that Jake is supposed to be coming in here and not in Malaysia and in um, you know South Africa at the same time. Right. And it's very hard to do that when you're diverse across the cloud, but you can have SaaS solutions and have them all authenticate because Active Directory is your key master. So I'm your gatekeeper, and we're going to get it all figured out. We're going to Ghostbuster here in a moment. That's right. <laughs> but before we do, I actually want to talk about the partner who you worked with, mm -hmm. the solutions that were developed, which were based on Intel Select solutions. Yep. Um, but 
you really, your partnership here with Data On is very unique. So I want you to talk about that because Howard and team work really hard and yes. Jeff has worked really hard yes. to make sure that you and Paul Mountie have the solution yes. that you need. So talk a little bit about that. So I think one of the important things, and I know I mentioned this repeatedly, in fact, was teased how many times I maybe said Intel and said data on during the keynote yesterday. But one of the things that I think They're is important <laughs> is finding the right partner for you. And one of the things that I think Data On brings to the table that I have found unmatched with most of my other solutions is their willingness to jump in and help with every custom configuration and every way we want to we want to do this. They bring that extensible knowledge of what Microsoft is doing on the S2D and HCI stack to their hardware that they're using Intel with. There you go. But they take all of that content and they bring it to you in a way where you feel like you can completely be dependent and reliant on them. And it was funny, one of the questions that got ended, asked at the end of the keynote yesterday was, what are the pitfalls and challenges? And my co-presenter really was talking about a lot of the problems and challenges he had, which were legitimate. And I sat there going, man, we were so lucky because our relationship with Data On made it where when we did run into issues, they were so fearless, fearless at finding ways to help us come up with better solutions and get us resolved and taken care of quickly. Well, Howard, Howard certainly reached out to me more than once to make sure that it got resolved quickly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future as you see it. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I like to ask every one of our guests, where do they see the future going? Just just the future in your world or the future in the world that you would like it to become? I think the future is making everything as easy as possible for the users while simplifying what we have to manage internally. So I think as you, that future is different for everybody because I think there are going to be situations where you're going to be able to successfully move your entire ecosystem out into the cloud. And maybe 10, 20 years from now, that's a reality for us, but I think the future for us is finding that partnership with the right people to make sure that we continue to provide the best capabilities and technology so that our attorneys can be thinking about their billable hours and not about how long is it taking me to log into this VDI session. <laughs> so it does make a difference because attorneys have only so many billable hours in a 365 day year, correct? You got it. Well, 366 next year, so we get that extra one. See, only, <laughs> there you go. Law firms pick the extra year. I didn't know we could add a day, but there they go. Okay, fantastic. Well, Ellen, you're an absolute pleasure to be on this podcast. I hope you you come back in the future. Thank you very much. So wherever you're listening to this chip chat, my name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies. I've been joined by Ellen Kirby, Senior Manager of Tech Operations and Senior Enterprise Architect of Bradley. You can find out more information about Bradley at bradley.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. Thank you, Jake. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be in the world. Hi, this is Jake Smith, live from Microsoft Ignite with Conversations in the Cloud. I am joined today by Associate Vice President of Quanta Cloud Technology, Dr. Jen Yao Chung. Yeah. Welcome, JY. Thank you very much. So, QCT and Intel have been partners for a very, very long time. Can you talk about um, the new select solutions 
that QCT has announced around Azure Stack HCI? Sure, sure. So I think we participate in the Select program since the very beginning. And the Select program we have been working on uh, starting with SQL before and also with an Azure Stack. And Azure Stack has a new name called Azure Stack Hub by now. Yep. And most recently, I think we explore the uh, the uh, what I call the uh, persistent memory. So the most current Intel Select we're doing through uh, using the uh, persistent memory for the Azure Stack SCI. The Azure Stack SCI is just a new term. I think the, from the window world, they want to using the way to build a private cloud. So that's our most recent uh, engagement for the Azure Stack SCI in the Stack program. So you have been an innovator, JY, in cloud technology for many, many years. Um, and thank you for joining the Select Solutions program. It's been an honor to have you and your team. They are great to work with. But, but what makes Quanta technology so important in the cloud? I'm not sure all of our listeners know the role that you guys have played. Yes, so uh, I think uh, Quanta cloud technology, as you see, we have a cloud in our name. We actually, we grew up with a bunch of hyperscaler, right? Uh, I think in our daily life, regardless you're using the search engine, buying something online, the social media. I think we are part of that journey. So what we did is uh, we built server as uh, our core competence. Uh, but most recently in all these uh, uh, cloud service provider, all these are called hyperscaler, we basically work with those guys. We deliver called uh, internet scale rack and we build the server, the storage, and the switches for those, uh, I was saying, our strategic partner. And so our server, in a way, is one of the uniqueness of our company is we sort of more like doing something based upon the workload. Because, you know, the search engine workload, uh, uh, online merchant workload, or social media, they all had different kind of workload underneath it. And so when we working with all these uh, customer or our partner, uh, instead of looking on what have we, what do we have on our truck, and we were basically saying is, this is in, on my truck, and this is the best for you. We will turn around to saying is, based upon the workload, how we can configure uh, implementation or architectures that can deliver the best quality of services and we basically saying it will only do things that are relevant to you. So when we grew up with all these partners, we also build system that have been, we were saying, workload optimized. Correct. And so that's in a way, it sort of differentiate us. But as you know, those uh, partner or customer, they are also very, we are saying, demanding and challenging <laughs> because they provide, uh, what I say, internet scale services. They had to be resilient, robust, reliable. You can name all the right buzzwords in it. And so we grew up with them and we make our servers can stand out for all the challenging 
whether is you are looking for, uh, I think in the today's world, how can you build with a combined space, high density computing, a more energy efficient, even one of our most recent case, build, working with a, a supercomputer center, we put in water cool system into the data center because that data center had been around for so long, it was not designed for such a high density kind of environment. So I think we really proud of our work in general is we build things what we are customer looking for, and we also gonna leverage our lesson learned and given the suggestion, the best fit, or and we'll say work to optimize versus just give you whatever we have and we think that's good for you. So we, we say we build for cloud, we born in cloud, we are cloud native. Well, you are cloud native and you were born in the cloud and yeah. we've been working together since that time. Yes. And so one of the things that, that I'd like our listeners to understand is your background. Yes. Because you're uniquely qualified to be this vice president of the cloud because you've got a background in service-oriented architectures, you've got a, a, a big background in working with an international community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's important, because you're not just, as a company born in the cloud, you, you really have been, been yourself personally committed to the service-oriented architecture. Yeah, okay, now you say that, <laughs> kind of interesting. Yes, uh, when I, uh, it's kind of interesting is, uh, when I finished the school, I joined a company, uh, a very famous company, doing research. And as a very traditional company, there's a lot of strong discipline because in the old days, everything sort of more centralized. You build large mainframes, and you also believe the world only need a few mainframes. But as you can see, the programming paradigm keeps shifting, right? Later part, people saying is, uh, with the internet edge, people starting doing their PC, the client serving, multi-tier services. So uh, the world continue to evolve and change instead of traditional mainframe only kind of services. They move the world more for, uh, I'm interesting, to look for information. So for mainframe, we moved to in the world called online cataloging, uh, merchandising, electronic commerce. But all these things is, they are looking for the work, uh, uh, particular services. So we move from centralized to distributed and now to the internet world, right? So you, you cannot imagine in, in the commerce and a business, so a big company, when it's selling a lot of stuff, meaning you buy a lot of stuff, and you need a, a, a system that will be ubiquitous. So a lot of time involved in the traditional world, you, you're just buying from uh, something from, you go to supermarket, but now more and more, this new model of going through the web, going to the internet, you're looking for the best services, best catalog, and the best pricing. So the, the background from traditional, uh, more like a structure, going to this uh, cloud level services, and going to the now is, is quite easy for you to get service anywhere. So it's, in a way, is a new model and the paradigm shift. And so, so now I think those background do help me 
to be able to get involved in the internet world because in the old days, you, you get a phone book, you're buying from the catalog, but now you used to just go into internet and you search for it. And because now a lot of information, you have a different way of voice activated. And now with the AI, it's kind of interesting to see there are more computing requirement and more intelligent is in there, it's more easy to provide the information for you. So I think this in a way is those are different level of the career help me to get into the world of the, what I was saying is a cloud ready. Cloud ready. Well, uh, I think you guys are more than cloud ready. I mean, yeah. your work with the hyperscalers is, is really unsurpassed. And I think your background was really very helpful because uh, we share that same background. We both work for a big company that sells mainframes. Yeah. So uh, we understand the systems, the transition from mainframes to mini computers to the hyperscalers that QCT has really built around. But let's talk a little bit about the benefits of the solution that you've built for Azure Stack HCI. Mm. It's, a unique, it's a unique benefit because of your experience with the hyperscalers. So you, will you talk a little bit about that for the Windows Server 2019 solution? Well, when you look at the, the Azure Stack HCI, what, what, what it means by the core, right? So Windows has this something called Windows Local Certification. For you to put a window logo, you had to go to a lot of testing. You want to make sure all your component, it pass the certification or compliant. So window uh, cluster, they basically had this very simple test, the way you call a cloud simulation. So they try to simulate one year's of a data center work in five days. So basic is, they do a, a very intensive test to test one year worth of work within five to seven days. And you pass that test to make sure your system working together. Because in today's world, system is quite diverse and quite complex. And what would they like to do is, I want you to use a system and from the silicon to the processors, memory, drive, everything up, we call the pre-integrated, pre-tested, right? Now, the other angle for you bring in the, the other dimension about how you make sure the system have a reliability, so what we do call window cluster. So Azure Stack SCI basically saying is, is a cluster or window server and it is a private cloud ready, it pass all the Azure State SCI requirement is multi-layer of testing. And what you do come with it is once you follow the recipe, the architecture, the published reference architecture, you put in the system together, you put in all the software together, you put in the application on top of it, and by that point, you have something ready to go. That's right. So that's the key value. Now, of course, uh, putting all this Intel program is you're adding the Intel element, right? The processor, the, the, uh, the memory, the drives, and they also they come up with a, a list of uh, expectation of performance. So when you're looking for high performance, there's a plus. When you look at then there's a basic, and somewhere in between you call a balance. So it give you a way of yardstick to saying is, if you follow this recipe, 
and you can generate something can meet your expectation right away. Well, and, and QCT has done that yes. for many, many customers around the world. Yes. Um, and as you said, you have been a part of the Select Solutions program from day one, and we're honored to have you. Can you talk for our listeners about the Intel technologies that you're leveraging in this current Azure Stack HCI solution with Intel's second gen Xeon scalable processors and, and the all MVME offering, which is a very unique offering, is where QCT once again has taken a performance leadership position. Yes, so I think uh, first you had to look at the Intel Select program, right? In the Select program, if you look at Azure Stack HCI, they do come with what we call a, a document that listed out the minimum requirement. So when we doing this uh, Intel Select program, we will look at that requirement, so we will put in our processor, we choose the, 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 the MVME drive, we choose, and those, and also the cache ratio we need to pick, and then also the, uh, the, the persistent memory uh, we use in there to follow the right combination to can deliver the expected performance. So in this select program, we pick all this, and we base upon the documentations, and there's a bunch of uh, back and forth because when we picked our initial configuration, we submit our uh, configuration, then we interact with the Intel architect uh, to review we have. So there's a certain fine tuning to make sure we can meet the the select program. After that, then we run a, a, a test and we submit our log. And based upon the test result, I think we're all happy with the result generated. We're very happy with the results. Yes. Uh, um, you know, QCT has found a way to really leverage not only Optane technology, not only Xeon technology, but you're also leveraging 3D NAND technology for scale, networking technology, uh, and I know we're working on some things we can't quite talk about now. Mm. But, but this is really important. As we're at Ignite, you look around and you see, wow, QCT has a unique set of solutions that are available for hyperscalers, they're available for enterprises, they're available for, for really first time buyers as well. Um, you, you've built that portfolio, but how do you keep it all together? You've got a special admin extension you use for Windows. Can you talk about that? Yes, yeah, so the in, I think it started about the three years ago, uh, the window community starting something called Window Admin Center. And this Window Admin Center, it basically is is extendable framework. They use it to replace, to keep uh, general window community uh, a new uh, GUI-based uh, way to, 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 to be able to see all the window uh, attributes, the, the traditional performance monitoring, and the, that framework is such an extensible framework, it continually expand, make you to be able to talk to Azure. Now, for one of the other angle for this framework is it allow all these uh, hardware provider, the OEM vendor, way have a way to plug into our server-specific information. So, because each server do have their own unique signature, right? So we want to know what processor we use, 
what's the memory we use, what's the fan speed, what's the thermal, and has a way to showing the alert, our system log, has a way to point what's the drive, has an anomaly, and how, which drive you need to do a replace, and even come up with the flow information. So this thing is making a general end user to don't need to know all the detail. There is a common framework. There's a common pane. They can go in there to get on the system-specific information. And I think this is one thing make the, the new window 2019 unique, this admin center extension. So since the very beginning, we Formerly called Project Honolulu, right? Yes, yes, Project Honolulu. We work on it, and we are always the first to provide our own extensions. So if we can see our intention in the extension, we have quite a way to really illustrate our own unique feature, our product. So one example in last year at Ignite, we showcased one we call the four petabyte. It's one of, uh, at that time, uh, that's the first time they announced the window can support four petabyte. Used to be one petabyte, and we have a system, the first four petabyte. The first four petabyte system available with yeah. Microsoft support. A very big deal. I mean, this is, I don't think people in the industry understand how big a deal this is. If by 2025, we're having to manage about 150 to 180 yottabytes, yeah. a petabyte form factor is going to be the baseline. It's going to be the equivalent of you know, 10 gigabytes today. Yes. And yet, here you are, you're four times ahead of the leadership in the industry. It's, it's amazing. Why, why is QCT so focused on being a leader all the time? You're on the leading edge, which is why I love working with you and why my team loves working with your architects. Well, I think uh, pushing the envelope uh, is one of in our DNA, right? In, in today's world, we are sort of, we are proud of ourselves and we are uh, continue to emerge and evolve, right? In today's business, there are a lot of legacy provider there, and those legacy provider, a lot of time, they are more interesting to, uh, what I'm saying, recruit their investment. But as a newcomer, it's our job to explore the new technology, right? Because any new technology, when you build it, there are more people find way to use it in a way you cannot imagine before. And so whenever there's a new technology, that's why we're pushing the boundary. So we have a very close working relationship with the window engineering team that after the four petabyte, the next question is, can we try 16 petabyte next, you know? <laughs> uh, and these are the things, uh, Engineering is sort of more like laying the foundation, right? Next part is more like what kind of workload, what kind of new application, right? In this new world, uh, you know, we are flooded with all kinds of real-time information, real-time analytics, edge computings, right? And then you want to have a way to provide a real-time uh, media entertainment. And then, of course, next year when the, the Tokyo Olympic, right? So everybody rushing to the next platform to provide better quality, lower latency. And that's why I thinking, that's why we always, uh, from the technology provider, we explore new technology, provide a new platform, then give people opportunity to explore. And all of a sudden, all the new thing will come up. 
from there. And then we're also very proud of that. So it's not only cultural, you've done it because it's really proved that your business model as well. It's both. And, and so it's very unique to QCT. Well, you know, our listeners who want to learn more about QCT, how do they learn more? Well, of course, we uh, obvious. The first thing is we have a website, QCT.io. So you can go to our website to see more uh, information. And today uh, we do have a booth. Our booth number is 1945. 1945. 1945. Yes. Good number. Yeah, so, good number. Yeah, you it's can a, come. It's the year of peace. Yes. I think we, oh, anyway, maybe by luck or who knows. Uh, but <laughs> Maybe come, by destiny. Yes. And so you can come to our booth and talk to us and we are there. Uh, for, the, for, the, for the exhibition, and you can first-hand it, we can have a dialogue. Uh, of course, you can search us on the net, and of course, you can go to Intel Select website, right? So there are many places you can find information about us. But I think the, if you are, happen to be attending the Ignite, this is the place to do it. Come see us, and we can have a fir first dialogue. Excellent. Well, I advise any one of my listeners listening in, any one of our listeners, uh, to really come see uh, Dr. J.Y. Chung and his team. They've done an amazing job. I'm more excited about uh, Azure Stack HCI, Azure Stack Hub, and Azure Stack Edge with QCT than ever before. Uh, our alignment is wonderful. For our listeners, talk about the future a little bit, because you, you have such a, a strong history in the past. Okay, and you are, you are part of really forming this service-oriented architecture that, that we're taking advantage of today. Where do you see the future of our industry and where do you see the future of the Azure Stack solutions going? Well, I think future is something you can imagine, right? Uh, when you know it, it's become the history, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's philosophical, but if you look at the whole world, right? The world is, this is public cloud. It's kind of interesting, public cloud is getting bigger. There's a few major public cloud. So, since we are in the Ignite, so you're saying Azure want to build the, the world largest computer and to serve the whole mankind. Yep. And you're storing the quantum computing, all the things, right? <laughs> so, so the world is this, right? There's a public cloud called Azure. And due to this privacy and all these uh, data had to, be, cannot, had to be within your four wall, right? So then there's something called private cloud. And some point there's something called hybrid cloud. So the world continue to evolve if you're using Microsoft Vision, right? So there's a, there's a cloud and there's an intelligent edge. Inside the intelligent edge, there's a few interesting things. One is you take the uh, Azure, you create something called Azure Stack. So Azure Stack is an extension of Azure to sit on-prem to give you the consistent experience. That's have been going on. We also involved in that journey. So this, this, why I'm saying this is all part of cloud journey, right? So there's a public cloud. They extend to your on-prem. Then, then the other part is for the private cloud, the window cluster, or this Azure State SCI. But private cloud, public cloud, but now in the today world, this edge notion, right? This intelligent edge, this edge in a branch office, 
in the remote location, in the coffee shop, in the retail store, in the convenience store. So these edge small device have capability to capture this IoT data. And in the edge, they also saying is, I want to push my some of the AI uh, inferencing to the edge. So when you capture the data, you process on the spot, whatever important, you send it back, right? So if you look at this Azure from edge, intelligent edge to then there's a far edge and the edge, and then the regional data center, the central data center, the cloud. So I think in the next few years, it become more seamlessly integrated. And all this is all related to your daily life, your data. So how you follow the data and the data, how can you follow data, string computing, how these data can process right away, how you add the intelligence, the big data, make sense out of it. So if you look at us, we also follow the same trends, right? So uh, we are working with the major hyperscaler and also the enterprise data center the telco data center and the edge computing. So one thing is that this infrastructure become more sort of integrated. Then the other angle will be the workload angle, right? So how is the workload? So if you look at Azure Stack SCM, most recently they come out with this batch program, right? So there's an initial five batch, the batch for the, uh, the branch office, uh, VDI, SQLs, and then the trusted computing, and then, then the file scale-out file system. So those five badges, in a way, Slack program also had the same notion because you go to a, you're buying a car, you're probably looking for, is that for family car, or is that for the, for the countryside, right? Or yeah, a racing yeah. car. You don't tell them, I want a, a car with this much horsepower. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's easier to describe what you're looking for. And the badge program basically gives people saying, you want to buy a car uh, for a family station wagon or you want to buy a car for, for the commute use. So, so that's something that is, is an interesting trend. So what we do is, uh, I, I do believe is this kind of private cloud, public cloud, hybrid cloud, and this cloud is a, so everything as a services is one angle. And then also with this huge amount of data coming in, how we can make sense out of it. So the data and the infrastructure and platform and workload. And so there's still a lot of exciting opportunity out there. And we can continue to grow and continue to make sense out of it and make everybody's life a better life next. Well, that is, a, that is a great vision, JY, and I'm, I'm very excited that you've come to join us. Thank you for being a partner of Intel, uh, QCT, and I hope our relationship continues to grow. Uh, we've done amazing things so far for the industry, and we've both been growing throughout the last two decades, so we hope to grow into the next decade. So thank you very much for joining us. On behalf of Dr. Zhen Yaochung of QCT, Quanta uh, Cloud Technology. My name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technology, and this has been Conversations in the Cloud. Wherever you may be listening, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night.
Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening to this. My name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies, and welcome to Chip Chat Live from Microsoft Ignite here in lovely Orlando, Florida. I am joined today by Phil Vandemortel, IoT Sales Manager from Intel. Welcome, Phil. Welcome, thank you. Hello. I'm glad you could be here. Our listeners want to hear, you know, we've got over 700 of these conversations and, and chip chats that Allison Klein has done, and I'm lucky to be her lucky co-host today filling in. But talk a little bit about Intel's story of IoT and the intelligent edge, and let our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So uh, we're spending our time, you know, architecting the intelligent edge with end customers. So taking our long life roadmap, our 15-year uh, supported products and helping customers design the next generation of products in at the edge. Uh, and we're now collaborating really well with Microsoft around PaaS and SaaS services in order for them to, to deliver you know, data-centric services you know, at the edge. Um, and this is really starting to gain momentum. We've got market-ready solutions, which is a big push from IOTG. We've got real good alignment on CoCell. And we're now starting to really align the sales forces to go drive some actual tangible sales, not just silicon, but also keeping an eye on ACR, which is Azure Consumer Revenue, which is one of the big, big focuses of Microsoft. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the relationship and some of the things that they've announced here at Ignite. You talked about how the relationship's growing stronger than it's ever been. Um, you know, it's, we've got a, almost a 50-year relationship here, so that's pretty cool that, that we're able to make that kind of progress. But talk a little bit about what they've announced and what that really means for the future. Yeah, sure. When we look at the, in the IoT space, what Microsoft are trying to do is deliver services from Azure at the edge. So they're almost seeing uh, Azure as one big computer and they'll distribute that compute wherever, it's ne wherever it needs to go. So what we've been doing with Microsoft is working on a couple of the specific products like IoT Central. Um, and we've got a customer on our booth this week, CH Robinson. They're a $16.9 billion logistics company. They've taken our uh, Intel Connected Logistics platform, so Sensor Gateway. They've integrated that with us uh, into IoT Central with Microsoft, so they can now offer a PaaS service, which delivers reoccurring Azure revenue for them and delivers edge revenue for us. So a great example where we've collaborated together to bring a PaaS solution to market. Another great one, and that's had a lot of press this week, is what was known as Databox Edge. Uh, and is now, um, is now branded as Azure Stack Edge, and a lot of focus on that. And this is a very different business model that we're used to at Intel. So you, know, you, you sign up in your Azure account for a service, uh, it's sort of 600 buck minimum, and then depending on what services you choose, they will deliver you a 2U server to your, uh, to your office. Uh, on the premise that there's no capex, but they will start delivering these services immediately uh, to you. And what they're seeing there is they're now taking these cloud services and migrating those services that run great in their data center. They're migrating those right to the edge where the workloads are happening. Uh, and that's where Azure Stack Edge is really going to play uh, you know, a key role for you know, Intel and Microsoft in engaging in that edge market together. Well, you talked a little bit about PaaS or platform as a service. That's a really important distinction. Uh, you're not talking about infrastructure as a service. You're not talking about software as a service. You're talking about a platform with maximum flexibility and scalability. Why is that so important for customers like CH Robinson? 
So that's really important for them because they can choose what hardware to land uh, their pass services on. They've got flexibility for them to uh, upgrade at the edge, upgrade some of the software uh, availability. Now, what IoT Central does for them as a SaaS service is they can ingest any device, any sensor data they want directly into that, and therefore they can leverage that to, to, to drive more sales, more insights into that data, because really what that PaaS service is doing is allowing any Intel-based edge device to feed the data which they're after in, and then they use Azure to then predict you know, cognitive services, Azure ML, all the usual um, you know, um, Azure services to, to really understand that data to then deliver insights back to customers. And you saw this week where there are, they announced some stuff around Azure Maps. Now, as a logistics provider, if you can then pull in Azure Maps and map that over your supply uh, supply chain, you know, that's a, a huge benefit for some of these. Well, and you also give an opportunity to actually use the analytics and the machine learning to allow uh, the Azure platform to begin to really dictate where the business goes. Exactly, and I think you know we've got to keep an eye on the edge, but also that is driving you know, cloud consumption for Microsoft. Uh, you know, and these types of solutions, you're talking you know, hundreds of thousands of devices. They're looking at many different sensor, uh, sensor bits of data. So you're looking at light, you're looking at location, you're looking at uh, humidity, you're looking at shock. So all these data points. And hey, if I'm shipping a really high value uh, you know, product, I want to know every minute what's happening. You know, why is it, you know, if I'm shipping a cargo of, of CPUs, why has it been down on, on the tarmac in Russia in minus 30 for 40 minutes? So that, those sorts of insights, you, know, you can create triggers in the cloud to act before the, uh, these things become a problem. Well, and, and that's a really important thing you just said. Triggers of insight to act before something fails. And that's really important with what we're trying to do. But um, what I want to understand and, and allow our listeners to understand is really where Intel is playing in the IoT solutions marketplace. Microsoft's a core partner, but we're partnering with Microsoft to deliver more than just the Databox Edge or Azure Stack Edge. IoT intelligent edge and those kind of things. What are, what are some of the other areas where we're actively engaged? So one of the areas where two, two really interesting areas. One is around, um, is around AI and, you know, the, and the edge. So we've been doing a lot of work with the Onyx runtime, which is Microsoft's um, ability to create models or train models in the cloud. And we've integrated that with OpenVenome. Uh, so what, by creating that plugin, what that means is Microsoft, Microsoft's developers that have, or Microsoft customers who've developed those models in the cloud can now take that through OpenVINO, through the model optimizer, and then target that on hardware which is relevant to them. And obviously now we've got the, the dev cloud, we can, you know, we can sit down with those Microsoft teams, we can take those models from Onyx, uh, run it through OpenVINO, and then take that model into our development cloud and then target what hardware it will run best on. So you replay that back to a customer that's deploying stuff on the edge. This is fantastic, right? They can choose through the cloud. They don't need to go buy 10 bits of test kit and start figuring it out. They can start looking at, hey, this VPU or this VPU accelerator card or, hey, this FPGA is perfect for me. And then they can go and deploy. So we can really help architect the edge with Microsoft in, them, in some of those uh, spaces. The other thing where we're spending a ton of time is around <coughs> market-ready solutions, RRKs. Microsoft have got a very similar process called CoSell. And what we found is a lot of customers that we touch today, they're also touching, but also there's a sweet spot of customers that are you know, delivering Intel you know, pass or pass services on Azure 
which has got heavy Intel Edge content. So not only is it delivering huge you know, intelligent Edge revenue and design wins, it's also driving the Azure meters for Microsoft. Uh, so where we've been focusing on is, hey, can we pick a handful of these and really go after it together in the market? Let's double down. If it's spinning the Azure meter, it's got a ton of edge. Some of these have got not just uh, IoT silicon in, but they've got a 10 gigabit Ethernet, they've got a Stratix 10, they've got the memory down. So let's load up those solutions and sell them together. What we've also found is that you know, Microsoft are partnering hard with the ISVs. If you take sort of Databox Edge and look at some of the end customer deployments, uh, like the Kroger deployment, which is very public with Microsoft, it's actually an ISV that did the software development to deliver that service. It's so Microsoft, you know, great, they were talking to Kroger, Intel were talking to Kroger, but actually when you look at it, it's the ISV that's influencing what services they're going to be able to run at the edge. So we're also trying to figure out, hey, how can we dial up our engagement in, in those conversations and become relevant so that when we're having conversations, we can work with the ISV to optimize those workloads on Intel Silicon, which is back in the cloud. So because it's more than just a CPU, exactly. right? You know, it's a visual processing unit, a VPU, as you talked about. It's a uh, field programmable gate array, or FPGA, that you talked about. Uh, it's SSDs, right, solid state disks. It's Ethernet, uh, and, and it's a host of other technologies. Uh, OpenVINO is an open source visual uh, development kit really for those who are deploying visual processing units to really begin to create safety and opportunity in their IoT deployments. Yeah, absolutely, and I think by working closely with OpenVINO and Onyx, if you, you've got, you're giving customers the ability to fully maximize the edge investments they're making. So if you've got a 2D or 3D convolutional model that will work best on the integrated GPU, hey, run it on that. You, know, you, you might not need an external graphics card, you might not need an FPGA, but give the customer the option to run it on what they've got. Uh, and, and pick a platform which is going to deliver them the, the results they want, whether that's uh, thermals, whether that's uh, inference, uh, whether that's um, latency, uh, whether that's uh, frames per second. You know, what, whatever they are trying to achieve, we can help them along that journey, uh, and that's what it's enabling us to do. You, you talked about something that I don't think people understand about Intel completely. They always say, well, Intel's always selling these high-end processors, and I don't really think I need that. I don't want to gloss over the fact that you're talking about selling long lifetime processors. Sometimes these are dual core, quad core, eight core processors. These aren't necessarily always Xeon. Talk a little bit about the flexibility that you have as an IoT person at Intel. It's a lot more flexible than the data center guys like me have. Yeah, so the, the, the beauty of IoT is we've, got, we've actually got a range of products from you know, Atom up to Core up to Xeon. And IOTG are picking SKUs um, and offering them for long life. So two years ago, we made an announcement that anything that's 22 nanometers and below will be offering 15-year life cycle support into the market. So you go to these medical customers, these kiosk customers, these industrial customers, they want to deploy a solution in the market and they want to maintain and maximize that asset for as long as possible. So within the IOTG group, we've got a range of products which have been adopted and now we're also bringing some products which are developed from the grounds up by IOTG. We're bringing all those out, some products out next year. So when we go into customers, we can quickly understand what, we, what can we sell these guys if they're looking at a low-end processor, 
you know, we've got a range of Atom products, we've got Core, we've got i3, we still have all the benefits of like AMT and vPro that we can uh, leverage uh, into our products. Um, so we find ourselves in a quite unique place where you know, there's a lot of different types of customers, industrial, manufacturing, retail. Uh, we had a great, op um, a great um, deployment a few weeks ago um, on visual inspection on uh, manufacturing lines, you know, and when we were talking to the customer previously, they were saying that it's, you know, today they've got humans saying that, no, that's defect, off it goes. So by um, selling industrial PCs with Windows 10 Enterprise, we've now been able to digitalize some of those know, traditional manual workloads. Um, and I think a lot of people at Intel think, you know, hey, IoT is complex, you know, it's way too complex, you know, we've got our KPIs, I'm gonna stick to what I know. But I think when you, if you listen to what Microsoft, uh, you know, and how they're positioning things, they see, you know, the cloud and edge as sort of one big thing. And I think we can learn some things uh, around that. You know, a lot of the projects are IoT-led, which, which are spinning, you know, big DCG, you know, cloud, uh, you know, cloud needles. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because as you guys build out the edge, we're, we're getting deployments on the, on the inside of the data center for more machine learning, more inference, uh, more artificial intelligence or AI, and I'm not going to go into different frameworks that people deploy because, you know, those frameworks are, are, are really, a, it's really a business decision based on the customer, which framework makes more sense. Um, you know, machine learning and inference are, are not necessarily the same thing, and so you have to deploy different technologies. But we've done a really good job of integrating with Microsoft around OpenVINO and Onyx. Can you go into some depth there, Phil? I mean, this is really important because I, I want our listeners to understand that this is not lip service, this is not marketing, this is real core engineering optimization to be able to have an edge to cloud or cloud to edge solution. Yeah, so you know, as you say, the, the Onyx work that's been going on with OpenVINO is now general availability, so we've been working this for the last sort of 12 months plus to make sure that this, this happens. Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I think the big team across IOTG, AIPG, you know, all of the usual guys have been involved to make that, make that happen. And um, the, I think, the first of all, the importance of that, it's clear from today and some of the sessions that, you know, competition like that vision market and they like that inference market, uh, you know, and when you look at the training versus inference, the volume of individual units is more likely to land at the inference side of things, right? Um, so I think what, the work that's been going on has really been to make that journey, be that developer, be that you know, data scientist, to make that journey as easy as possible. You know, and people are starting their journeys you know, with Microsoft in Onyx. And I think you know, today you see 30,000 people that sold out, sold out event for months, right? They've got a huge developer community. So one of the key things we need to do and, and decided to do is try and cement OpenVINO in that developer community. Uh, and you know, obviously there's, there's uh, some significant advantages if you can gain traction uh, in that space. So you know, the technical work has gone on with the integration of, uh, of Onyx, creating that plugin which will allow, allows you to slide straight into, into OpenVINO. Uh, so now you've got this model which you've done, you know, which the data scientists have, have created. You can pass that through into the uh, execute, you know, through the execution provider into OpenVINO, uh, and then deliver that you know, onto a platform that makes you know, economical sense for you. But more importantly, if you look at you know, the ISVs and, and some of the, the end customers that are using you know, these solutions from Microsoft, 
they are the new customers to Intel. So without, you know, they are the, the software providers that can start to take these models and, and use our tools. So it's so important that we've spent the time to you know, educate them, uh, you know, get them to understand exactly what we're doing to try and deliver you know, incremental services in that space. Well, you talked about um, services, you talked about machine learning. Really, what does this mean when we start adding machine learning as sort of core to every platform as a service that we deploy and we're optimizing silicon and drivers and BIOS for these capabilities? And it's more than just the silicon, it's more than, I mean, it's a full integration. What does this mean for customers and our listeners as they think of deploying their next generation Intelligent Edge? Yeah, I think the, the, you know, the, the, the opportunity that all of this aggregation of technology is providing into some of these segments is going to is really going to change or I think Microsoft call the term you know digital transformation right they are right. Yeah. hugely promoting digital transformation and what's great to see from my side of the fence is that IOT plays a key role in this so they are in some cases they're leading with with IOT as that the ability to, to for digital tran uh, transformation and one other thing that Microsoft are trying to do is they're trying to go to our traditional like ODMs or OEMs, you know, like a Lenovo, and get them to become MSPs, or so managed service providers for specific you know, areas of the market. And it's interesting to see that because you know, they play back this one to eight ratio, hey, every dollar you spend on Azure as a partner, you'll get eight back. So it's really fascinating to see you know, how they're going after that part in a partner market, you know, what role they're trying to carve out for our traditional hardware vendors. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, the, if all those hardware vendors are going to be successful, you know, I'm not sure, but some of them you know, definitely will be. Well, there's no doubt that some of them will be because um, you know, there's always winners in this industry as an, as an industry grows. Talk about um, what we've done together, Microsoft and Intel, to drive the overall market. We talked about the technologies, we've talked about the investments in, in libraries, we've talked about the investments in, in, in machine learning, inference, uh, big data, big DL plays a big role, deep learning plays a big role in what we're doing on the intelligent edge as well. Let's talk about the overall relationship to drive the IoT or edge marketplace between the two companies. Yeah, so we've started. You know, we're on a journey. I think we're on a journey with Microsoft, right? Especially in the IoT space, because you know they are looking to deploy cloud services at the edge, and we're trying to really drive intelligent edge. So there can be a little bit of you know tension in the air when we start those conversations. So what we're doing Microsoft is you know, we're picking some segments, we're doubling down, we're looking at trying to do two or three things right in each one of those segments. Two weeks ago we had Microsoft on stage with us at the Industrial Solutions Summit um, in Singapore. Uh, they joined our AI Summit um, at, in China. Uh, we're co-sponsoring Microsoft's flagship IoT in Action event, uh, which is 27 cities across uh, 33 locations running throughout the year. So we're starting to turn up together. So you know, technology is one thing, and, and um, we've got their sales force, they've got their sales force, and we're starting to figure out how we can engage those two a little bit more. But also we're starting to turn up to events together, talk about the technology, talk about that cloud to edge or edge to cloud, because we both coin a different term, and how we can drive new business together. Obviously, we've still, we still got one eye on you know, the Windows uh, IoT, which is the traditional uh, embedded business, and how we can drive you know, incremental business on migration, industrial PC refresh, all of these good areas. They also you know, remain a, you know, a target for us because, hey, if they, if, if, we, if they upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10 IoT, 
then there's a you know there's a new PC in there which is a very interest to us. So, you know, we're really on new a journey. PC, with, new networking, new hardware, you new memory. Get it. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know the knock-on effect of that is, is huge. So we you know I think that's been part of the journey. Is you know it's great to have you know, technology alignment, but I think you know market alignment as well. You know focusing in on some things to go and actually uh, do well. Um, I mentioned Microsoft have got this co-sell program. This is where they can take IoT solutions today um, and they can incentivize their sellers. So they've got 22,000 salespeople uh, in the market. Uh, so they can take these co-sell solutions uh, and if they win an Azure consult or an Azure contract, they can retire some of that contract against their personal quota. So if you, you know, what we're trying to do is take our IoT solutions and try and enable their sales teams to mm -hmm. sell it and vice versa. We'll sell um, some of their co-sell solutions in, into ours. So I think the message that we, we've been trying to get to with the field is if you've got you know, Microsoft co-sell solutions that you're working on um, or market-ready solutions that you're working on that are, you know, are spinning the Azure needles, you know, they are, deliver Azure services uh, at the edge on Intel platforms, reach out to us because you know, we can quickly you know, get together with Microsoft and start executing some plans. That's a, that's a great plan. Well, um, how do our listeners find out more information? I have two questions for you, and that's the first one. And the second one is, what's coming in the future? So, you know, we're, I think on the, on the team Microsoft, we've got a, you know, we're now publishing a newsletter, tons of information around Azure, um, Edge, uh, Stack, around Win, uh, Windows IoT, around IoT Central. You know, a lot of these are, are, are cloud services, and I think from an Intel standpoint, we always, we've always been approaching the market of trying to sell you know, hardware, and you know, we're slowly moving into the solution space, and there's some great solution sellers. So I think part of it is like if you can understand what a CSP is trying to do, okay, you know, that, you know, that's the biggest thing is, you know, and I think we're trying to make it as easy as possible to, for our sellers to understand what a CSP is trying to do, arm them with the material to have a sensible conversation with an AE that's covering the same account as you, and how you make, make a sensible approach to the customer around what Intel can bring to that conversation. At DCG, at IOTG, I think that everyone needs to get smart um, um, at that. Uh, what's coming, there's some, there's some really exciting things coming um, with Microsoft um, in the edge space. Um, you know, I think today what you've seen or uh, um, yesterday what you saw from Satya's keynote was, you know, them bringing first party devices to the market. You know, so they've got four different first party devices, four different first party devices. And, you know, they've got a dedicated team um, that's been set up to go look at this for the IoT market as well. So there's some really, really exciting opportunities that Intel have ahead of them if we can execute. Um, so there's some you know, really, really exciting pro products around AI, around gateways, uh, around displays, audio, you name it. You know, these are big market opportunities that we've got the ability to go and address and play with, uh, with Microsoft. Um, additionally, you know, we're laser focused on deployments, we're laser focused on revenue, laser focused on ACR. So we, we do take an interest in you know, those you know, Azure consumption revenue, what are they spinning you know, in the cloud that's driving you know, more, more business for us uh, further down the line. 
So lots, lots of really exciting things to look forward to um, in next year, definitely with, uh, within Team Microsoft and especially in the IoT space. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Phil. I think it's, uh, this is a unique opportunity. This is a unique time in the industry. We are at the front end of a, a decade of data expansion at a level that, um, frankly, nobody could have predicted 100 years ago or even 20 years ago. So, um, you know, the edge is going to uh, probably manifest itself into as much as 50 to 75% of all data created by 2025 uh, against a backdrop of 165 yottabytes. That's a lot of data. <laughs> Definitely. And I think you know we're we're uniquely positioned as Intel to really you know go after that market. And I think you know we've got to choose some partners wisely. I think we've got to really double down in some areas. Um, but I you know I don't think anyone's questioning the opportunity. It's where do we focus in? Where do we invest? That's going to get the biggest return uh, for us all. Um, and no, that's going to be the big question we need to address moving forward. Well, I agree. And and clearly our investments with Microsoft are starting to pay dividends. Thank you for joining us for Chip Chat. It's been an honor to have you here today. Um, any final thoughts for our listeners? No, thanks for the time. I think the fin my final thought would be, you know, if you need support on your Microsoft engagements, you know, we're living this real time as well. We see the opportunity, we see the challenges, um, but you know, there is a significant opportunity if we get it right. You know, as a seller myself, I can see the opportunity to land deal wins, to land design wins, to hit my KPIs. You know, don't be afraid of just of leaning towards a CSP to go drive some incremental business. You know, you can naturally gravitate to the ODMs and the hardware guys. You know, have a chat with the CSP sales folks. There's a lot more of them than us, uh, and you know, and they are hungry for business as well. Outstanding. Well, on behalf of Phil Vandenmortel and Jake Smith and Allison Klein. This has been Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies for Intel Chip Chat. Wherever you may be listening to this, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Visit Chip Chat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 